What is happening, everybody? It is Saturday afternoon, which which means what? It means it is time to talk some tournaments for DraftKings and FanDuel on Sunday. Myself and a millionaire maker winner, Neil Orfield, going to be breaking down Sunday's main slate, going over each position, our favorite tournament plays at each spot, and then we're also going to be giving out our favorite stacking options for the slate. So stuff like if we're building one lineup, who it is that we would be stacking in that one lineup. As you guys are watching, the only thing we ask of you is to like the video and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We do really appreciate it. It helps keep our content free around here. We're sponsored by DraftKings Rainmakers. If you guys haven't checked out Rainmakers yet, there is a link below that'll take you to the site that'll allow you to claim a starters pack totally for free. And you can use those cards to win actual cash prizes. There's also regular pack drops over at DraftKings. So take advantage of all the stuff going on over at Rainmakers. Actually, right before the show started, I was building on my MMA Rainmakers lineups for today. But neither here nor there. we got a football slate to talk about tonight. And uh, Neil, what is happening? How did last week go for you? Last week went okay for me. I think it was one of my... No, I, I think I lost five bucks. It, it was right at the end. <laughs> I was like teetering between going to make a little bit of money, going to lose a little bit of money. I ended up losing five bucks on the slate. Wasn't in the world. Had a lineup that finished in the top thousand in the Millie Maker, And I only entered four or five lineups in the Millie Maker, So I was pretty happy to have one in like 600 something place. Um yeah, didn't quite get there. Obviously, uh, we played a lot of the Ram stacks. You and I had the same uh, thought, and you named the Rams as your favorite stack, which I feel like you get like half credit for it because yep. I don't think you named Matthew Stafford with Tyler Higby and Kyron Williams as a stack to go to. I actually don't remember who, who the partnering, pairing partners you had were with Matthew Stafford. Do you remember? Yeah, it was Cooper Cup, and it was because I ended up having, I played more on FanDuel and DraftKings last week, and the Rams were my most rostered stack, and what was annoying about it was Stafford was one of the top scoring players on the entire slate, but it was the touchdowns went to the two running backs, Kyron Williams and Royce Freeman, which it's not like I was building Matthew Stafford and then stacking with the two running backs. So I had very yeah. neutral lineups last week because the pass catching options were not great for the Rams. The running backs on the other end were great. I had some of Kyron Williams. I didn't play Royce Freeman last week. But like it wasn't that wasn't how I was building my Ram stack. So it was a it was a neutral slate. The Ram stacks were good, but just the players didn't score the touchdowns that I wanted to end up scoring the touchdowns is really what prevented those Ram stacks from being like okay lineups where I was like breaking even, just giving into the rake for the slate versus being like super profitable and having lineups that could contend to win a tournament. And as I recall, you had some of um of Higby, and then they yeah. the news came out that it wasn't gonna play and you swapped him out and you couldn't swap him back in. Is that correct? Yeah, so that was the other thing that was really annoying about my Ram stacks is we had reports that Tyler Higby was inactive and wasn't going to play. He was a healthy scratch. So, you know, you get that kind of scenario where it's not like I got a mass amount of Tyler Higby. He was in like, I don't know, six, seven, eight percent of my lineups. And I'm like, I'm not rerunning everything for Tyler Higby. I'm just going to swap him to whichever players I can make fit. And for DraftKings, you know, you just swap to whichever players are less expensive. They get into lineups. For FanDuel, you can do more expensive or less expensive players. And because I had more of my action on FanDuel last week, I'd maxed out like a handful of the different tournaments. There was like five or six tournaments that I played 150 lineups. And I was like, I'm just going to global swap him to different tight ends that I can make work. So what made it really hard then is like, I don't, I, I didn't know how to recover the lineups as I had them before. So I'm just going right. into this like, what difference could it make? Like, I didn't have a mass amount of Tyler yeah. Higby. I have like whatever the number was, like five, six, seven percent that I'd said before. So I just thought, like, listen, I'm just gonna live with whatever the results end up being. I'll be a little bit lazy with this. And then what happens? First, first pass he scores, 
or first, first drive touchdown to Tyler Higby, second drive, another touchdown to Tyler Higby. And then the other thing that was, I was thinking was really funny about it as well as I'm looking through my prop bets and I'm going, Oh boy, I have a, I have a bet on this game and it's Tyler Higby over two and a half receptions. The only thing that could trigger me more about this is he finishes with just the two receptions and their two touchdowns. He ended up hitting the over pretty easily, oh, nice. but, but it was uh yeah, it, it was definitely a little bit of a tilt there for me with Tyler Higby because it was literally, it was just a bad report. We got the reports he was inactive. And then as soon as I swapped everything, we got the news that he was actually going to be active. And at that point, I don't know how OCD you are with managing your CSV files and stuff like that, Neil. But for me, I, I don't like shit sitting on my desktop, especially because at that point I start building for NBA slates for the night and sure. it gets too confusing for me. Like I've, I've had too many incidents where I upload the wrong CSV or I click something incorrectly. So I delete everything after I'm all set. So wow. I, I didn't, I didn't even have the file there to try to recover it, which was something that Adam or was it Adam? Maybe somebody else had just uploaded your old CSV. It actually might've been Lee who uh, helps with projections and is part yeah. of our data team. And I, it was already gone. I'd already deleted it. So a uh, little, little triggering from that aspect. It's probably the smart thing to do to delete all your old files. I just never delete anything. So I have a million CSV files from DraftKings yeah. <laughs> uh, from, from the Sims on my computer. Yeah. So uh, probably something I should do a little bit more of. I, so I, also ended up with zero Higby, but it wasn't, I didn't make the swap. I actually, I, I kept swapping, kept swapping. And I think I was getting to him until like my final crunches, whatever, whatever adjustments I made, I ended up getting zero Higby, but that was just my own doing. And then oh, the other thing that was tilting on that slate. So it was your, your call was you wanted Stafford with cup. My call was Josh Allen with Stefan Diggs. And I thought about it on every show I was on. I really thought about, should I say Gabe Davis here? Cause I was like, he's getting such low ownership. I love the bill stack. I kept on going back to the bill stack and I was like, Really, I'm not going to Gabe Davis. I ended up not doing it because I was like, well, Dalton Kincaid has surpassed him. Now Khalil Shakir has maybe surpassed him on the depth chart. So I ultimately didn't. And then, of course, it was Josh Allen with Gabe Davis was the stack you really wanted there. So uh, that was a little bit tilting for me also. But we got like my, my primary stacks were the Bills and the Rams, and those both worked out, just not quite in the way I wanted them to. Yeah, and it's what's annoying about that is kind of like we, we got the hard part right. and then, Exactly. And then, it's, and then it was just... Like you tell me that the Rams are going to go off, but it's not going to be because of Cooper Cup. You tell me the Bills are going to go off, but it's not because of Stefan Diggs. It's right. going to be like these tertiary options. Not that Kyron Williams is like a third option, but Tyler Higby is. And uh, we got another slate to break down. It wasn't a, last week wasn't a good one, but wasn't a terrible one either. It was somewhere in between. We've got a super chat here from Weatherman Seven, and it is a sticker. It is uh, one of his uh, sexy dancing pairs that is saying, "How's it going?" and Weatherman7, what's up to you? Thank you for the super chat. And yeah, if any other questions or comments you guys have throughout the show, if you're in the Discord, one of the perks being a Stochastic member, you can always add us when you're watching shows. And if you want to sign up, there's links below to sign up for any of the packages at stochastic.com. Uh, but also, always checking out and reading your guys' YouTube comments as well when we go through the show. But let's start with quarterback, Neil, where I'm very spread out this week. And I'm also getting to different quarterbacks on DraftKings than I am to FanDuel which is kind of interesting. I'm getting to more of the spend-up guys on FanDuel. DraftKings, I'm getting to more of the cheaper quarterbacks. But there is one QB that's popping up pretty prominently as a pay-up option for both FanDuel and DraftKings. I think you might have a pretty good guess at who that might end up being. Yeah, when I look at the top stacks tool, I don't know that I've ever seen a, a slate this size have a top stack at 26% for Tua Tagovailoa. Yeah, that is... Uh, He's, he's really, really popping. And of course it makes sense against this commander's defense that has not been able to stop anybody uh, through the air all year. And now we're facing the high powered Miami offense. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense. Yeah. And it's, it's a spot here with the dolphins where are they expensive? Absolutely. 
But one thing that kind of makes it easier, and it's going to be a big talking point when we get to running back, is Zach Moss is on the slate. And we've seen the sites pretty aggressively price up backups this year. And that's why also, like you and I have talked about why we get to more double tight end lineups this year. It's because there just isn't as much value at running back and wide receiver as there have been at those positions in previous years. Therefore, a lot of the best value ends up being a tight end. That is not at all what my lineups look like this week because Zach Moss is such a strong value option who I'm going to be locking and loading this week. Chalky, I don't care. He's so cheap. And all of our data at the site says he's still even under-owned relative to that. So I'm looking at my lineups, and it just enables me to get up to some of the more expensive players at other spots. And if I'm paying up for stacks this weekend, it is the Dolphins. It is Tua to Tyree Kill, some of Jalen Waddell as well. So Tua's my most rostered QB on both FanDuel and DraftKings. Like you said, we have the highest top stack score on Tua that we've had on any individual team for the entire year on a full slate here. And there's no team that's even close to it. I think the price tag is worth it. We've seen the commanders get diced up by like Tommy DeVito put up big fantasy scores against them. And now we've got a team that scored 70 points in individual game this year. We know the kind of upside they have. So uh, that, this is my favorite stack of the week. I like getting the Tua, Tyree Kill. Nobody should really consider that crazy, but it, it is really easier to do than it normally would be at these price points because of the value elsewhere. Yeah, I mean, it looks looks fantastic. We also only have 10% ownership going to Tua. My guess is that it's going to be higher than that. Like, I think it's sort of hard to predict in these spots, but it's just such an obvious spot that I kind of imagine that the field is probably going to go to a little bit more uh, than 10% of Tua. But still, I think it'll probably end up being a great value stack. The one thing I don't like about it is this is such a spot, such a strong spot that like, any new variable being introduced is something I don't like. So I actually don't like that the commanders fired their defensive coordinator, Jack Del Rio, this past week. It's like, do they come out, play a little bit, you know, harder for the new coach? I don't know. Sometimes you see kind of a, a dead cat bounce when a coach gets fired. I also don't think Jack Del Rio is a very good coach. So there are a few reasons that I'm like, I, I kind of wish that they just had not done that this week. Uh, because I just don't want to introduce any new variables to such an amazing spot for the Dolphins. That, that's the one you know issue that I have with it. Also, at this point, Washington's defense is bad on the ground as well as through the air, so we don't really know the way Miami is going to cut them up, even though I'm, I'm pretty uh, confident that Miami is going to put up a lot of points. It might be on the ground, uh, so there are, you know, th those are the kind of holes you can poke into it, but ultimately, like, it's just such a great spot. If the field's at 10%, I'm going to be well above the field. Um, I don't know if I'll go... I'll probably play... 20 to 30 percent Miami stacks would be my guess yeah and that's that's where I'm at right now I've got to a right around 20 percent on both DraftKings and FanDuel and on DraftKings like I said that's really the only payup option I'm getting to at QB FanDuel is a little bit different FanDuel I'm getting the most to Tua but then I was still able to get to double digit exposure to CJ Stroud I've got nine percent of Jalen Hurts so there's other payup quarterbacks that I'm getting to but uh, Tua being the chief among them. And then on DraftKings, I just wasn't really able to, when I ran everything through the Sims, get to other high-priced quarterbacks who are not Tua. So I'm going to ask you now, Neil, are there other high-priced quarterbacks that you are going to be prioritizing for this slate where I'm finding it hard to get to ones outside of Tua on DraftKings, but I'm, I'm able to do it on FanDuel? Yeah, I mean, Jalen Hurts looks good in the top stack tool as well. We've got just 8% ownership going to Hurts, 12% chance of being the top stack. Obviously a tough spot with the Niners, uh, but I'll, I'll take the positive leverage. Jalen Hurts is just the, the type of quarterback who can get it done against anybody. He has such a high floor because of, you know, what he does on the ground as well as through the air. We just saw him do pretty well against, I mean, I guess the, the Bills are kind of a middling defense, obviously a tougher spot here against the Niners. Um, but yeah, I, I have a lot of interest in Jalen Hurts. Um, I actually, I don't have the price tag in front of me, but I'm assuming 
uh, that Stroud is also a, a payup option once again this week. Uh, hasn't done anything to, to lose the higher price tag that he has been getting recently. Um, nice spot against Denver. Denver is, you know, they've been playing better recently. They're not the total awful defense that they were early on in the year, but still a defense you can exploit quite a bit. The Texans have a 25 implied team total, still a nice spot against the Broncos. Uh, so I, I have interest in, you know, all all of the payup options, Hurts, Stroud, Tua, uh, definitely interest in all of those. We also have positive leverage going to Justin Herbert, 2.4% projected ownership, 7% chance of being the top stack. New England has been a little bit of a pass funnel defense so far this year. Um, so yeah, I, honestly, I, I like a lot of these payup options. How about you? Yeah. So, uh, same deal. Like I was saying before, the only one I really get to on DraftKings is to uh, the price points on Stroud and Hertz are so exorbitant. $8,100 for CJ Stroud, $8,200 for Jalen Hertz. That to me, Tua has a lot of, has, has more upside than those guys for DraftKings where that's really my priority when I was spending up, if I'm paying up, it was him and it was nobody else. Fandor, the price tags are relatively cheaper because the salaries overall is just softer on Fanduel. I found it easier to get to some of those guys, but still, I I don't love getting to the other guys on DraftKings. Actually, I don't think Jalen Hurts or CJ Stroud of upside. I, I just think that two is that much better of an option, and I don't really like the restrictions that the salaries uh, create on the more slightly more expensive price tags on CJ Stroud and Jalen Hurts. We got three QBs in Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts, and CJ Stroud priced 8K or above. It's a really, really steep price point for a QB, which is why when I look at my QB exposures on DraftKings outside of Tua, it's cheaper, guys. It's Kenny Pickett, it's Gardner Minshew, it's Derek Carr and Brock Purdy. Those are the guys who I'm getting to on DK that are not Tua. And it is uh, for some different reasons. Like I saw somebody in the chat, I think it was Josh Gillum. Yeah, Josh Gillum said, I like Derek Carr and I don't know why. I'll tell you why you should like Derek Carr. This is a team that throws the football a ton in games that they're trailing. They're playing against the Detroit Lions. We've seen how many games is it? Uh, like two or three games over the course of the last couple of months where Derek Carr is actually north of 50 pass attempts. So it's a spot where also we're kind of getting condensed targets, right? There's no, there's no Shahid. He's been ruled out. Chris Olave, still his status is up in the air. It seems like he's trending towards playing, but we saw last week, Olave had over 100 receiving yards in the first half. If he didn't have that concussion last week, we would have seen Olave finish with like, what, 200 receiving yards or something like that? So now he's coming back. He's not massively popular. Derek Carr is cheap. So I think just based on the price tags and the volume, Derek Carr is a good GPP quarterback to get to. The matchup against lines might not be the best on paper, but if they're trailing, which we probably should think is the most likely outcome, Derek Carr is probably throwing the ball 40 to 50 times. Yeah, I mean, he's got positive leverage in the top stacks tool. 4% ownership, 5% chance of being the top stack. She'll be throwing the ball a lot. It'll be the, the tougher decision is in your Derek Carr stacks. Who do you want to pair him with? And I, obviously Olave, maybe, maybe the tight ends. I don't know if you want to go to like an AT Perry. That's where it's going to get complicated is like how far down the list do you want to go in yep. your pairing with, uh, with Derek Carr, but certainly a, a lot of pretty solid pairing options there. Yeah. So uh, by the way, and we had a uh, Brad Moore in the chat is bringing up the saints are bad in the red zone. They have no receivers and Taysom Hill is going to play a lot. Yeah. I mean, the, the Taysom Hill thing is a nightmare because yeah. he ends up, he ends up vulturing a lot of touchdowns, but here, here are the stacking options and getting to with Derek Carr by a mile. The most frequent one is Chris Olave. Olave shows up in nearly all of my Derek Carr stacks. And then beyond him, I do get to some of AT Perry as a cheap value option. So AT Perry is what is his salary at yeah, $3,300 on DK. And 
there really is a lot of opportunity for him considering the amount of injuries that they have in the in the passing game. And then I also get to some of the Juwan Johnson at tight end. So it's Chris Olave, second favorite one is A.T. Perry, and then some of Juwan Johnson as well. Primarily Chris Olave, though, and I'm pretty cool with those with those options there. Are there any cheap QBs that you like getting to? Yeah, I think that was a good call out. Uh, somebody, somebody in chat just brought up Kenny Pickett, who looks awful in the top stack stool. So that, that is my biggest hesitation. It's obviously a great spot. Like I feel like Kenny Pickett is a good enough quarterback to do it against this Cardinals defense. Like you just, you don't know how teams are going to attack the Cardinals, but they have been such a bad defense this year that you can make the case for Kenny Pickett. Uh, I'm not a huge believer in the talent, but the Cardinals 31st in terms of pass DVOA, 30th in terms of rough DVOA. So it's kind of up to the saints, how they want to, attack the Cardinals, but they should be able to put up some points, uh, you know, for, for uh, the Steelers not being one of the best offenses. They, they, this is a spot where it's a great spot for the Steelers. So you can certainly make a case for Kenny Pickett, but I will say 7% ownership, 2% chance to be in the top stack doesn't inspire me. They do have a 6.3% chance to be in the top value stack. So not a ton of negative leverage in that sense. I think you could go there. It's just not, it uh, doesn't stand out as like an amazing spot for us. Um, by the way, I'm oh. going to uh, I'm going to cut you off there because okay. Kenny Pickett was in my list of cheap QBs that I'm getting to. Oh, sure. And if you just if you don't touch any of the data in the Sims and you just press go on the contest generator and then click Sim on the lineups afterwards, you're going to get to a shit ton of Kenny Pickett. Our data loves Kenny Pickett through the Sims this week, and I do think that there's a couple of narratives to point to here that that could actually be relevant. Right, like there's actual data behind these narratives that are going to be important to me. Matt Canada is gone, and yeah. is Kenny Pickett going to be all of a sudden be like a stud quarterback? No, but I do think that there's reason to think that the overall offensive philosophy and some of the game planning has changed a little bit because in the first game without Matt Canada, Kenny Pickett threw the most pass attempts that he's had since Week One of the season, which that's like a real tangible data point to me that matters a whole lot. And it was probably the best game we've seen Kenny Pickett play ever maybe and i know we didn't have the biggest fantasy performance but a lot of times that's just kind of touchdown dependent do you remember somebody was messaging us on twitter the other day neil and asked us why do you guys like matt stafford he doesn't have any games with the whatever he decided was the requisite amount of fantasy, fantasy points, points. Yeah. yeah there was some number that he decided that that matt stafford absolutely needed to have and i, I did understand where it was that he was coming from but at the same time every slate is different and also the past results don't always indicate the future because if you looked at Stafford's numbers for the season, they weren't terrible. The reason he wasn't really having a lot of upside was just because of touchdown variance. He was not the guy who was scoring touchdowns. And then what happens? He has like three touchdown passes immediately in like the first quarter right. of the game and all the variance comes back at once. Kenny Pickett probably played as well as we've seen him play the entire year last week, completes 24 of 33 pass for 278 yards. Also had five rushing attempts, which is pretty nice. Just didn't happen to score at all. And now they're in a pretty good matchup on paper, and it's a spot, too, where if Kenny Pickett plays as well as he did last week, you would expect him to score touchdowns more often than not. So I do think he's a pretty good value option at QB, and it, it is a team I like building stacks around. And I will say, so he doesn't like doesn't look like a great spot in the top stacks tool, but in or, uh, but in the boom bust tool, we actually have Kenny Pickett getting 7% ownership, 10% chance of being optimal. Um, so it's, you know, maybe, maybe you don't want to overstack it, but yeah, he, he actually looks pretty good in the boom bust tool as well as the Sims, as you say. So Kenny Pickett, definitely an option for us this week. 
Uh, it's funny in the top stacks tool, the Rams actually look great again at 1.4% ownership going to Stafford 4% chance to be in the top stack. I'm not sure if I'm going to get there again against Cleveland, but I guess uh, if Miles Garrett is out, maybe that helps a little bit. It's just, it's tough to, to really want to go to players against that Cleveland defense all that much. Uh, but I, I have to note that it does look good in the top stacks tool. Um, Brock Purdy actually is pretty interesting to me. I mean, you, you'd expect the Eagles to be able to keep up with the Niners, put up some points. So maybe the Niners going to have to continue throwing throughout the game. Eagles have been a little bit of a pass funnel. Their secondary has not been great recently. 21st in terms of past TVA. The Niners actually have a 25.5 implied team total. Uh, I don't know if it, maybe, maybe you already mentioned Brock Purdy talking about cheap quarterbacks as well, but that's another one that I am interested in. So Brock Purdy was uh, like the last QB on the cheap end that made the cut for me. Uh, so when it comes to Brock Purdy, and, and it's like r- right at 10%, which is usually once I get guys who are 10% when I'm running lineups, we're like, that's that's where you have to kind of, uh, to me, like that. those are the players I talk about on the show. Like if I have somebody in one, 2% of lineups, it's like, all right, these are just somebody in, in a 150 data set I have some of, but if the guys I have 10% of, like those are the guys I talk about as my core plays when I'm doing content, Brock Purdy just barely making the cut because he's in exactly 10% of my lineups and a lot of those lineups actually do have them stacked with Christian McCaffrey. And I do find it hard to really know what I want to do with the actual pass catchers. Like I get to a little bit of George Kittle, some of Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel, but the biggest hurdle for me in terms of like aggressively playing him is that you don't well, like, I, at least for me, I don't know which wide receiver or tight end of his George Kittle is going to be the guy. Yeah. I mean, that, that's definitely fair. It's, it's a, uh... It's not a condensed target tree there for San Francisco. So that does make it a little bit tougher. Um, yeah. As I'm looking through and, and, you know, picking out quarterbacks, I realize why you, you said that you think it's going to be a, you're going to be pretty spread out at quarterback this week. Uh, and I, I do see several quarterbacks that kind of like, I'm like, well, Sam Howell looks okay. Like Miami's defense has gotten better recently. It's not the best spot there, but that game could really shoot out. And then Sam Howell is going to be the cheaper quarterback that you could get to. So I think Sam Howell is uh, in play. Certainly. Uh, Gardner Minshew, I knew as I was running the lineup, Jenner is getting to a bit of Gardner Minshew uh, in a, you know, kind of pass funnel spot against the Titans. They've given up some really big games to passing offenses. So it makes some sense to go to Gardner Minshew. Yeah, there, there are a number of, you know, pretty, pretty solid quarterbacks on the slate, uh, although none of them really hold a candle to Miami. Anything else a quarterback they really want to uh, bring up here? I mentioned that over on FanDuel, my exposures were a little bit different at quarterback because I do get to uh, Tua, Stroud, and Jalen Hurts. I just found it easier to spend up there, and then I go a little bit cheaper on DraftKings. Like, I don't get to Kenny Pickett the same way on FanDuel that I do on DK, and then same like guys like Derek Carr was getting to on DK don't really get to on FanDuel. But any anything else that really stands out? Not really. I think we've kind of named all the most interesting quarterbacks. All right, so let's go ahead now then and start to talk about some of the running backs and when we talk about the running backs here i mean it, the conversation has to start with zach moss i know a lot of times you and i will talk about the spend ups of running back we kind of work our way down but it's very rare that you have a scenario where zach moss is fifty six hundred dollars on DraftKings. he is 40 uh, sorry forty six hundred dollars on DraftKings, fifty six hundred dollars on FanDuel. the min price on dk is four thousand for running backs now and we usually see backups priced in the mid 5K range just on the off chance that the starter gets hurt. And, you know, they've, they've kind of DraftKings and FanDuel try to make it so that you can't just jam these guys in and make it like a free square type play. This is the first one of these we've kind of seen of the entire year where somebody's been 
it's such a cheap role as like a real workhorse type back at this kind of price point. I don't know what his ownership is going to end up being. I think it could approach like 70% maybe even in the Millie Maker, if I'm being honest. Although with that said, we were doing the show last week. We were talking about how popular we thought Jonathan Taylor was going to be and what we we're going to do with his ownership. I was getting to, I think it was 94% of Jonathan Taylor or something like that at the time. And he only ended up being 18% owned in the Millie Maker last week. Came nowhere near what his projected ownership was, although it was way different across different contests. If you looked, he was, I think, 18% in the Millie. The higher dollar stuff, he was like 50% owned, which is usually a pretty good indicator of when somebody is a stronger player, not when they're like 3x the ownership in, in like the Thunderdome type tournaments as compared to the Millie Maker. Uh, but Zach Moss, going to be super, super popular this week. How are you going to approach him in tournaments? Yeah, it's I'm gonna have to be tracking ownership because honestly, if he does end up, you know, above 50%, above 60% at the very least, I might be tempted to full fade him in large field contests. Uh, this is the kind of spot where, like, obviously the tools are going to love him. He makes a lot of sense. He's the best point per dollar play on the slate by far. He's also crushed this uh this exact matchup earlier in the year. This is, you know, we think of it as being, and it is like there, it tends to be Tennessee is much better against the run than against the pass. Earlier in the year, though, we had Zach Moss go off for 165 rushing yards and two touchdowns uh, on the ground. And then I don't even know what he did through the air. I guess just two receptions for 30 yards on the ground, but absolutely crushed in this matchup just a, a few weeks back, I guess a handful of weeks back. Um, so he certainly could do it again if he is going to be 50% plus owned in like a millimaker contest. So I think this is it's a different play depending on the size of your contest. The larger the contest, the more inclined I would be to get away from Zach Moss. If it's, you know, a contest with 10,000 uh, entries in it, I'd be more inclined to just eat the chalk with Zach Moss, get different elsewhere. But in like a millimaker size contest where you really need to put up an enormous score to get to the top, I'd be a little bit more inclined to fade Zach Moss. Um, I know it's it's going against the the data a little bit because we have him at currently 38% ownership, 41% optimal. But if he gets higher than that 38% ownership, which, as you said, I think it's certainly possible that he could. At that point, in a millimaker type contest, I might be inclined to fade Zach Moss and just hope that he puts up 15 or 16 fantasy points and I get, you know, three other running backs who are each putting up 25, 30, 35 fantasy points, and you can just completely flip the entire build. So uh, it's a really interesting, it's, it's one of the more interesting spots to talk about, I think, that we've had so far this year with Zach Moss. Um, but I think where I come down on it is it's going to depend on the contest size. And in a Millie Maker type contest, if we end up having Zach Moss get a little bit higher ownership than he is right now, honestly, even at the ownership, if he does come in at 38% ownership, I'd be at least tempted to to full fade him uh, and just hope that he doesn't completely kill it and that I can find some lineups where different running back combos put up huge scores. Uh, whereas if it's, you know, a contest with 30,000 or fewer entries, I think I'd be a little bit more inclined to just eat that chalk. I think it's, it's one of those rare plays where like, it really does make a difference to me, even within large field tournaments, how large field the tournament is exactly. Um, it so sounds like you are going to eat the chalk there with Zach Moss, just eat the, the free points there. Yeah. So uh, first time this has happened all year. Yesterday, I was doing the Sim show with Spags. He was filling in for Lofi. Lofi is going to be back at work tomorrow. And uh, we got to 100% of Zach Moss, our top 150 lineups. And no matter which different filters we used, he showed up in 100% of our top lineups. So data is uh, really telling us that we should be playing Zach Moss. So I did rerun everything this morning. I got to uh, less of Zach Moss. He was in 149 out of my top 150 lineups. So a little bit, a little bit less of him today than yesterday. Okay. But, trending yeah, downward, am, trending downward. 
yeah, I'm I'm probably going to be having at a minimum like 90 plus percent of them. Yeah, it's I don't know. Um, I, I might be biased. So the, the, the one time that I've done this in the past, I can think of that was like the almost the exact scenario was uh, back in 2020. Uh, when we had Mike Davis was the chalk for the for the yeah, Panthers, and he got to 40,000, uh, sorry, 40 plus percent ownership. <laughs> and I full faded him on that slate. I was like, all right, I'm just gonna experiment. And of course, I had just had a big win uh, a couple weeks earlier, I decided to experiment. And then uh, using the stochastic tools, I got to a ton of Cole Beasley, and he ended up Cole Beasley ended up having a big game. And I ended up having like a, a sweat for a milli. Uh, just from and, and really the only big decision point I made was full fading Mike Davis and just getting to different cheaper players spread throughout my lineups. I ended up having a, a pretty good sweat for a Millie in that week. So I'm a little bit like, man, that could, what if I do that again? Like that could work out just spreading out to different cheap players. Um, but yeah, it pro probably makes sense to get to some Zach Moss. Um, I'm definitely not going to be there at a hundred percent. Cause I think that, you know, you don't, it's certainly possible for Zach Moss to put up 15 fantasy points and not kill you. And it's, it's even possible for Zach Moss to, uh, you know, hard to envision, but to, to put up fewer than 10 fantasy points where you're really getting ahead of the field by not playing him. So I'm not going to be there at hundred percent Zach Moss. I'm, I'm, I'm guessing I'll be under 50% Zach Moss. And there's a part of me, depending on where the ownership ends up tomorrow, I'll have to think about full fading and just going to completely different lineups for huge field contests. So I'm doing something interesting on my other computer over here, as we're talking through this. I am creating a field where Zach Moss is 70% owned. And I'm going to upload those lineups to the Sims and okay. see with 70% owned Zach Moss, what would it recommend me to do? My Here's what I think is going to happen, Neil. I think it's still going to give me close to 100% of Zach Moss, but I think it'll give me other contrarian players. Like what I think it's going to do is it's going to say, you want to play Zach Moss pretty much no matter what. And if the ownership is going to be really high, it's not going to say where you deviate is with Zach Moss. It's going to say you deviate with other players in the lineup, not just Zach Moss. And somebody in the YouTube chat, copy paste dates, asked if Zach Moss doesn't have a TD, he's a bust, right? No, he probably doesn't need a touchdown, to be honest. At, at his, his price. price, at his price point, if he catches, if he rushes for 50 yards, and then he also has like five catches for 50 yards, he's probably in the million making winning. He's probably, he's probably in the millionaire winning lineup. Yeah, most likely. Yeah, you definitely don't need a touchdown for him to get there. Um, you know, the, the the full fade wouldn't be because I'm expecting him to completely bust. It's just it's you're hoping that he does not go off. Like he he can put up 14 fantasy points, and if other running backs you know put up 25, 30 fantasy points, then you might be happy you don't have him. Um, but yeah, it's it's an interesting. I don't think that there's necessarily a right or wrong way to play Zach Moss. Um, but obviously, if the tools are giving you a lot of Zach Moss, more often than not, you should just be trusting the tools. Yeah, and then uh, Rance in the chat is saying that it is uh, hard for running backs to be optimal with that one, not relative to his price point, right? So a lot of times this year, it has been, but it's because in the popular running backs are, you know, like still 6 7K. We, we haven't had a scenario where somebody's been a $4,600 running back that we've really wanted to play with you know any kind of like real aggressive amount i i can't even remember the the cheapest running back that we've really played a lot of this year can you remember can you remember spania where there was somebody who was like there there have been times where there was cheap guys we liked right there was uh, i think maybe like devin singletary was fifty two hundred dollars as a popular play one one slate but i can't remember 46 as like a super chalk option i don't think we've really had it quite this cheap um yeah this is 
it is it's a unique scenario for for this year like we've had a lot of these in the past but for this year we have not had a ton of these zach moss level plays um yeah i don't know i'm i'm still i'm, I'm tempted to fade him even though i know that it goes against uh the tools that more often than not you should just trust them but i'm i'm tempted by the fade in millie maker style uh places by the way so i just re-ran everything right with uh it set on the dot 70% Zach Moss and it gave me 100% of my top 150 lineups now. Oh, okay. But what it did do, let me look at some of my stacks. Like what did it give me? It gave me so it's funny. It, it it did give me like a little bit more of Gardner Minshew. It gave me more of Derek Carr. So it did give me more it gave me more of some contrarian stacks. So it didn't, it, it, it made my lineups, even though I'm still playing 100% of Zach Moss in this scenario, he'd be projected for 70% ownership. It doesn't change my exposure to Zach Moss. It changed my exposure to some of the players who are paired with Zach Moss, which is also something that we're, we've seen Adam and Josh talk about a whole bunch on Twitter this year about how you don't need to not play the chalk guy to be contrarian. There's other ways to do it as well. And that's also kind of what the Sims are showing me as I'm going through everything now. Now, another interesting part about this is if I have nearly 100% of Zach Moss, I don't have a massive amount of exposure to other running backs because I got one guy taking up every single spot. And in general, the chalk is good at running back to me this week. Where I'm getting different is my, my quarterbacks and then some of my wide receivers as well. It is not at running back for me. I have three running backs in north of 20% of my lineup. Zach Moss, chalk. Rashad White, also chalk. Christian McCaffrey, also chalk. I have okay. a couple other guys that are mixed in here that are a little bit lower owned, but it's, it's not running back where I'm deviating this week. Okay. So you're, you're yeah, those, those are the three chalkiest running backs uh, and they all look pretty good in the tools. Like we have negative leverage on Christian McCaffrey, but not a ton. I know I was getting to a lot of McCaffrey in the lineup generator as well. Uh, so even, you know, slight negative leverage, but not, but not in any kind of crazy way. Um, yeah. Just all three look like great running backs. They're going to get the volume. Uh, I totally understand all of those plays. Um, my guess is I'll be more spread out than you are at running back, um, but I, I definitely understand. I, I'm, I'm sure I'll get to some of all of those three also. And then we've got uh, uh, Mike. We got uh, we got Mike Lawrence, Yocastic, and you chat said he thought Josh Kelly was in the mid 5K range was high on. Nope, he was the first game that it was close, but he was uh, he was over the 5K mark when we saw uh, Eckler go down earlier in the season. He was close, but not not quite the same uh, price point there. Jamal Parker left us a super chat, said, just watching Greg and Neil uh, won me $1,000-plus in the last week in DFS using The Sims and your show. Uh, thanks for the help, and thank you guys for everything. Jamal, thank you very much for the note. That awesome. is really appreciated, as well as the super chat. And uh, for anybody else who wants to sign up for our NFL package, which includes the Sim tools, the contest generators, you can build your lineups on our site and simulate them. There's a link for that below to go and sign up. And if anybody else wants to support us, the, the really easiest way to do it also is you just like the video and subscribe to the YouTube channel. We do appreciate that a whole bunch. Uh, how about for you, though? Contrarian running backs. Who are the off the – not like anything that has to be, you know, like a 1% on guy that you uh, are jamming in or anything like that. But are there any contrarian plays that you do like getting to at running back? Um, let me see for for contrarian plays. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I like Ramondre Stevenson. He's he's not really contrarian, so it doesn't really answer that question. Um, I think it's sort of interesting in our tools that we have 
uh, Najee with positive leverage, Jalen Warren, like it, it's kind of flipped the ownership versus optimal odds for those two. Uh, but Najee looks like he's getting, he's somewhat contrarian, eight and a half percent projected ownership, 12% chance to be an optimal, obviously a great spot for either Najee or Jalen Warren against his Cardinals, uh, terrible defense. Um, so I think both of the Pittsburgh running backs are in play. Uh, Najee being the more contrarian of the two of them. Sort of intrigued by Bijan at 5% ownership. He, he looks pretty neutral in the tools. Uh, not the best spot against the Jets, but they are a little bit you know, worse against the run than against the pass so far this year. Of course, the Falcons just a 17.75 implied team total. So maybe, maybe that's getting a little bit thin, uh, but I'm at least a little bit intrigued by the increasing role that Bijan seems to have. Um, yeah, I don't know where else I'm going. Honestly, I said I'm probably more spread out than you, uh, but I also I think a lot of the chalk looks pretty good here. So I don't know how spread out I'm going to be at running back. I think you could go to Derrick Henry uh, as an interesting play, and we've got Derrick Henry at uh, wait, oh, 14 ownership. Okay, I thought it was a little bit lower than that. So not super contrarian there either. Um, yeah, I don't know that I'm going to go super contrarian, uh, although. Oh, I guess we have Raheem Mostert at sub 1% ownership. So that is a contrarian play that I absolutely love. You know, I think uh, in my non, or I guess you could even have him in your tool lineups, but I do think if we're going to get any of these Miami running backs at low ownership uh, against this commander's defense, like they don't need to do it through the air. I think the commander's defense is bad regardless, uh, but through the air and on the ground. And Miami is certainly capable of putting up big scores with the running backs also. So I think Mostert, Achan, Currently, we have both of them as being super contrarian. I don't know if they end up being as contrarian as we have them right now, uh, but if they stay, you know, sub 5% owned, either one of them, I'm willing to go there. And of course, Mostert is once again, my favorite because A-Chan just doesn't have quite the same volume upside, I don't think, uh, whereas I think Mostert has the upside for a lot of volume. If he can get it done against the Jets like he did last week, he can certainly get it done against this commander's defense. So I do actually really like the Miami running backs as contrarian options. Yeah, and I mean, also, that would make sense as uh, some leverage off of uh, what could be, you know, popular Dolphin stacks. For me, at running back, there is a couple of players that are popular that I'm underweight to the field to. And it's funny, Ramondre Stevenson was somebody who yesterday I was building lineups I was overweight to, but now he's projected for a lot more ownership. So I have about half the field of what the field is doing with Ramondre Stevenson. And I mean, I, I think Stevenson this is a really good spot for him on paper. It's, it's more so one of these situations where the ownership has gotten to be high and then if i'm getting to a lot of zach moss it kind of goes to what i was saying before is you know what are what are the the sims telling me and the data on the site well if, if zach moss is going to be really popular it's going to try to lower some of the ownership in other ways and one of that happened to be with ramondre stevenson coming down in my lineups where i think yesterday i had like somewhere around 20 percent of ramondre stevenson this morning i run it i get to sub 10 percent of him so that's somebody i'm coming a little bit underweight to the field too uh Brees hall looks like he's going to be quite popular against the falcons and yesterday, I wasn't exactly sure if he was going to be in or if he was going to be out. He's still listed as questionable, but got a full practice in yesterday on a Friday. It's usually a pretty good indicator that they're going to be in. So if you're looking to go a little bit cheaper and maybe not be quite as popular as like Rashad White or Zach Moss, so that is a different price point. Uh, Brees Hall is the guy I like the most at $6,400 against the Falcons. Anything else that you really want to bring up here at running back? 
Well, I saw somebody brought up uh, Chuba and Miles Sanders now that Frank Reich is out in Carolina. It's actually really interesting uh, looking at last week because they 14 carries for Chuba Hubbard, 15 for Miles Sanders. So it doesn't look based on that like a huge split. But then you actually look deeper at the numbers. Chuba Hubbard played 43 snaps where Miles Sanders only played 24. Chuba Hubbard ran 26 routes where Miles Sanders only ran five. So I do think that Chuba Hubbard is still pretty clearly the running back one for the Panthers, even though Miles Sanders actually had one more carry last week. I think that was just a fluke um, because all, all of the other stats uh, would suggest that Chuba Hubbard is going to be the guy there. Now it's not the best spot in the world against uh, the Bucks. It's, you know, the Bucks are th- uh, 13th in terms of run to you. Uh, the Panthers only have a 15.5 implied team total. So I can't, I'm not going to go crazy there, but I, I thought that was sort of interesting since somebody brought it up. Um, just needed to note that somebody also uh, just asked where uh, copy paste said, can you briefly talk about how you determine when to deviate from the tools? And the answer is uh, I probably deviate from the tools more often than I should, even though I trust the tools, use them for most decisions. Um, I guess to me, the best places to deviate from the tools are places where you have a smaller sample size. So like a player just came into more playing time and we don't really know how to gauge the most recent game versus past games. Sometimes, you know, you know, there's human input into what kind of usage that player is going to get rookies who don't haven't had a big role, but it seems to be, you know, maybe coming up, but in general, I think the better, the better approach is probably just not to deviate from the tools all that often. I do it from time to time. I probably do it more than I should. Uh, you know, Greg has won se- uh, several tournaments using the NBA tools, the NBA Sims, and you you don't really deviate from the tools all that much in general. I, at least that's my impression. Is that is that accurate? Would you say that you you tend to stick closer to the tools at least than I do? Yeah, I don't really change all that much to to be honest. So the one thing I will do is certain stuff like. Uh, there's a pretty good chance that tomorrow when I'm running lineups, like the contest generator and building my pool, I probably will up the projected ownership on Zach Moss. And that will not, as we just saw running through, that's not going to impact what the amount of Zach Moss I'm getting to, but it will impact some of the players I get around Zach Moss. And then another thing I've noticed too, when I'm doing this, and this is also going to relate to Jamal Parker in the chat who said, how do I feel about Henry? It's a good matchup from like last week. Here's something that I am getting to in my lineups, which I actually think is a very sensible pivot here, is the field is getting Derrick Henry pretty heavily, right? Derrick Henry is projected for 14% ownership, and I have him in 5% of lineups. Instead, what I ended up getting to in the data, and a lot of times I'll look through this and be like, oh, this is really sensible. I hadn't even thought of it, but the way our sims work, it's play-by-play. So it's like simulating each play of every game 40,000 times. And I mean, I'm, I'm not... I'm I'm very stupid relative to the people yeah. who make Me these tools. Like, we don't, don't understand. How, I don't understand how it is that the system is capable of doing it, but this is what it does. And then from there, after it simulates each game play by play forty thousand times, and the entire slate plays out, it gives you lineups that are you know sorted based on which ones ended up performing the best. And one thing I thought that was really interesting related to uh, how to correlate lineups and changing some of the ownership and Jamal's question is while I'm not getting to very much of Derrick Henry relative to the field, I am getting overweight to the field on DeAndre Hopkins. And DeAndre Hopkins is cheaper than Derrick Henry. He has about half the ownership. And then also, if you kind of look at, you know, Zach Moss, let's say Zach Moss has a, a big game. And he's to me, he's pretty game script independent. Zach yeah. Moss, like he's going to be involved in the passing game if they're trailing. He's going to be involved in the run game if they're ahead. And I do think the most likely scenario is this game is competitive. 
But we do know that if the Titans are behind, they're going to be throwing the football, and that's going to be less of Derrick Henry. And that is where DeAndre Hopkins could come in. So I think Hopkins is a really good leverage play off of Henry, and I'm getting more of Hopkins at wide receiver than I'm getting to Henry at running back. Yeah, I think that's a totally fair way to play that. Yeah, Henry is something that I had brought up as like, it's a nice spot. And then I look and I'm like 14% ownership, though, not really the contrarian play that I was hoping for. So yeah, DeAndre Hopkins seems like a natural way to uh, get leverage on that 14% ownership. What, what do we have the um, moving over to, to receiver now? What do we have the ownership at for uh, DeAndre Hopkins? Hopkins, uh, 6%. Oh, yeah, that's that's not bad. I, I take that or, for DeAndre no, sorry, Hopkins. 8%. But either way, it's it's not like it's not like a very high number. And it is about half the ownership of what Henry has. Yeah. So if, he, if he's getting that much lower ownership, do you have any Will Levis stacks? Will Levis stack because that, that was a quarterback that I was thinking about bringing up. I think that I am still just uh, probably infatuated because of that first game where he just looked like a gunslinger who could get it done. And I've played a little bit of him several times since and have, hasn't really worked out for me. Um, this is so, another site where I'm like, maybe, maybe think about it. Not significantly. On my top 150 lines, five of them were Levis stacks with Zach Moss as a run back. But what I am getting to is because I talked about Gardner Minshew is one of the cheap is one of the cheap QBs that I get to on on DraftKings is I do have lineups where it's Gardner Minshew, Zach Moss, one of the other Titans receivers, whether it be uh, Michael Pittman or Josh Downs, and then DeAndre Hopkins, and that is a build that I like quite a bit as a core, and uh, might be coming up when we talk about favorite stacking options in uh, another like fifteen minutes here. Uh, nice. But talking more about these wide receivers. I brought, this is where my lineups are contrarian. You know, Tyree Kill, I'm paying up for him. He's not contrarian, but I think he's a very strong payup option. The only real payup option I'm getting to very much of at wide receiver. So let's start by talking about the payup wide receivers, Neil, and then I'll talk about the contrarian guys that I'm getting to other than just DeAndre Hopkins. I've kind of tipped my hand in terms of one of the contrarian guys I like. But uh, Tyree Kill, if I'm paying up for wide receiver, it is him. And then it's not all that difficult to get to this crazy $9,600 on DraftKings on FanDuel he is actually 10,000 but I still get overweight to him and he went and he winds up in about a third of my lineups because of that Zach Moss price point do you like paying up for Tyree Kill and if not do you have a preferred payup wide receiver option yeah I mean Tyree Kill just makes a ton of sense here we've got him optimal 22 percent of the time despite being 9,600 and even when he's not optimal he's still gonna look really good a lot of the time just just the nut matchup here against the commanders uh yeah, make, makes a ton of sense to go to Tyreek Hill. Uh, if you have 9,600, that's probably the player I'm going to in the flex. Um, yeah, I, hard, hard to argue. Like like Tyreek Hill quite a bit. Um, I, I told I told Scott I'm going to be uh, a little bit um, sheepish doing going back to the the Jalen Waddle as the leverage play after you, I don't know if you saw Ricky D's tweet about Jalen Waddle and every tout all year saying Jalen Waddle is a great leverage play off Tyreek Hill. It is still true, though, that, that Jalen Waddle still does make sense. 7,600, uh, getting 11% ownership, 12% chance of being optimal. So it doesn't really stand out as like a you know phenomenal play in the tools, but I do think he does make some sense as a leverage play once again. Now, more often than not, they're just going to go back to Tyreek Hill. He's going to put up all the fantasy points, but from time to time, it's going to be Jalen Waddle. He has had a couple big games this year. Uh, and Do you think they're going to do any double stacks with Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle? Some, but it's very cost prohibitive. So I don't think very much, but let me pull up here. So I have 25% of Tua on DraftKings right now. Of those lineups, uh, let's see. It looks like 
seven of them are Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddle double stacks. It's like okay. uh, not bad. I've yeah. got so I got yeah, so I, I have seven out of 150 lineups are two oh with Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle. I kind of like that. I think that that's I mean, that's about the right proportion, I would think. And certainly it's possible for both of those guys to put up hundred yards and a touchdown and uh, that it's they, they did it several times last year. The, the Miami double stack completely broke the slate. I don't know if it's happened more than once this year, but uh, certainly a, a, a stack that could get it done, especially against this commander's defense. So I don't hate the idea of just full on stacking or even doing just a single stack that also or a double stack that includes one of the running backs makes some sense to me. Most are being my preferred running back on Miami. Um, yeah, a lot, a lot of different ways to play the Miami stuff. Um, but yeah, I think that that makes some sense. Uh, Keenan Allen, 9,000, a little bit cheaper. I think he's going to be in some of my lineups. We have him as basically a neutral play, 11% ownership, 11% optimal. Uh, I told you I'd play some Jalen Hurts stacks. Of course, A.J. Brown going to be the first play I go to in those Philly stacks. Now, we have seen Devontae Smith has really come on recently, and he's only 7,300. We've got Devontae Smith currently at 4% ownership with a 6.5% chance of being optimal. Um, so, once again, I'll probably go back to the, the wide receiver too in some places, especially because you know we, we've seen the trend with when Dallas Goddard is out for whatever reason, Devonte Smith gets a little bit more run. Uh, so I think we can go back to Devonte Smith if he's not going to get a ton of ownership. Um, that makes sense to me. Uh, are you going back to Cooper Cup this week? No, I am not, and it's not even because of me being like ah Cooper Cup finished or anything like that. He's he's seventy eight hundred dollars and. I just didn't get to pay up wide receiver. I don't have a single wide receiver who's expensive in a meaningful amount of lineups other than other than Tyree Kill. Yeah. I'm so just looking at the the boom bust tool. Like we have positive leverage on both Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. So there's like should I just, should I go back to that? It's been biting me. I've been wanting to go to this Ram stack and you know even last week when the Rams go off, we still don't get the actual receivers that I've been expecting um so I don't think I'm going to go there against this Browns defense, but we do have positive leverage on both Cup and Nakua. Um, maybe, maybe when I'm when I'm going away from. Although, honestly, how am I going to fit them if I don't play Zach Moss? So, like, I'm I'm thinking, well, in my contrarian lineups, maybe I go to those guys, but uh, it's hard to fit them if you don't have Zach Moss. So, I guess maybe maybe that actually makes sense. Go to the chalky Zach Moss. This is how you get contrarian because we have really low ownership on the Rams. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's. Uh, I was kind of thinking in reverse there, but yeah, it actually makes some sense to go to. If you're going to Chalky Zach Moss, one way to get different, I guess you could go to that Ram stack. Looks pretty good here. Ayuk uh, looks pretty good. So speaking of those uh, Brock Purdy stacks, we have 7% ownership going to Ayuk with a 13% chance of being optimal. That's kind of nice. Um, Pittman, I, you know, I have some interest in doing some Minshew stacks. Pittman makes some sense. 17% ownership, 18% optimal. Uh, a lot of a lot of different ways to to pay up, really. Um, I know you, you were not that interested in the Texans stacks um, with CJ Stroud. I think you could do it with Tank Dell or Nico Collins. Both look pretty good here. Um, I mean, I could just be like, I mean, I've continued to kind of be on the, although last week, not so much. Tank Dell was really expensive, only scored 17 fantasy points on DraftKings. Yeah. Didn't really have a great game. But to me, he's just kind of reached a ceiling price. Like maybe I, maybe next year he'll be priced amongst like Tyree Kill and Cooper Cup and all those guys regularly. But he's $7,400 on DraftKings. He's $8,200 on FanDuel. He's also still picking up some ownership. And the data just doesn't get me to him. I, I For the second week in a row, I hardly get to any of Tank Dell. 
Yeah, I don't know. Just they're getting so many targets recently. Nico Collins and Tank Dell again, nine targets last week for Nico, eight for Tank Dell. I think it was like 12 and 13 the week prior. So um, I also is is Noah Brown playing? Do we have confirmation there? Because that actually would affect it for me. If he's out, I think I'd be more inclined to maybe go back to them. Uh, but let me look at yeah, the status so of Noah. Is, he is listed as questionable, although he did not practice yesterday, which is usually more of a better indicator if somebody doesn't practice on Friday, like not even a limited practice, didn't practice at all. Yeah. That, that does generally tend to mean a player more likely to sit than end up playing. So yeah, if he if he sits, that would change the equation a little bit. But right now he is projected in because he's listed okay. as questionable. Yeah. I, if if Noah Brown ends up sitting, I think I'll have some interest in Nico Collins and or Tank Dell, and maybe even do that that double stack. Go back to that. Um, if Noah Brown plays, it's going to be tougher for me to get there. And then maybe I guess if, if Noah Brown plays, then I guess we have to think about going to Noah Brown instead of those two. Um, but yeah, it sounds like he's probably more likely to miss. Um, we've got Thielen at 9% ownership. So I, I thought I saw somebody saying 2% earlier. Um, it, it is, I, I thought he made a good point on Adam Thielen. He was, he's such a bust last week. Hasn't been as great recently, but early in the year, he was crushing so much. Now his price is down a little bit, the ownership down a little bit. Maybe you can go to Adam Thielen here. Um, so yeah, by the way, he's a contrarian wide receiver. I like, and I don't think he's going to approach his ownership projections. He's so? been a guy whose ownership has been difficult to project all year because yeah. earlier in the year, if you remember, he had a couple of big games and all of a sudden he was like crazy chalk. Like we were seeing Adam Thielen come in like three, four, five X his projected ownership on weeks. And now that he's really dropped off, I don't want to see the inverse happen where he's projected for eight, 9% ownership. I think we see it end up being like a third or a fourth of what it's going to be in the same way that the inverse where he was like three, four X his ownership earlier in the year. So he's somebody who I am getting double-digit exposure to an Adam Thielen at $6,600. We've seen the upside that he's had in this offense this year. And I know people are going to say, oh, Bryce Young is terrible. Yeah, you know when Bryce Young also sucked like week four, week five, when Thielen right. was having big games, and Thielen still was managing to break DFS slates. I think the field is going to get totally off of Adam Thielen this weekend for good reason. He's been nothing the last few weeks. And this is one of the contrarian wide receivers that I like. Like, there's a handful of guys in this 6K range that I get a decent amount of. Uh, Chris Olave is one of them. Adam Thielen is one. I talked before about another one being uh, DeAndre Hopkins, only $6,100 for Hopkins. And then one other one as well is Terry McLaurin, who's a little bit cheaper, $5,500. But he's my favorite runback for the Dolphin stacks. Yeah, and that, that makes a lot of sense. Are, are you doing uh, runbacks in most of your Dolphin stacks? Uh, let's see, what percentage? I that's what have, I'm debating whether I'm going to require it. I don't think I will require it, but maybe I'll give a boost or something. I have McLaurin in 20% of okay. my dolphin stacks and i've logan thomas in 28 percent, and i don't have any other run back so it's like 50 percent of my dolphin stacks have a run back and like 50 percent don't okay and that, that seems about right that's probably my aim is where i'll i'll get to there also um kind of interesting any any other uh contrarian wide receivers you want to bring up not on like the expensive or the mid-range but there is a cheap one that i like quite a bit and we have Cortland Sutton projected to be well, actually his ownership's come down a little bit since yesterday, but uh, Cortland Sutton is projected generally across the industry as being the guy for the Broncos. And I actually do like pivoting and getting to Jerry Judy instead. Judy is cheaper this weekend. I don't really think he's going to be all that popular. We've got him projected for 8% ownership. 
And when it comes to uh, Jerry Judy, he's $4,700 on DraftKings. He is, what was this price point on FanDuel? It is uh, 6000 So I'm well overweight to the field on Judy on both DraftKings and FanDuel. The field is getting to Javante Williams. The field is getting to Russell Wilson. The field is getting to Corlin Sutton. Jerry Judy, the least popular of all of them. And Judy just hasn't been the guy who scored touchdowns this year. We talk all the time about how much variance there is in touchdown scoring. Like, it's not like Sutton gets, like, a massive amount more targets than Judy. He's just the one who's ended up scoring the touchdowns this year. Like, why can't it be Judy be the ones who scores the touchdowns this week? And we have seen Judy put up some decent games this year just without the touchdowns, especially in some of the targets. Like, he didn't get the targets last week. The week before against the, against the Vikings, he was targeted seven times, caught five of them for 58 yards. He's only scored one touchdown the entire season. I think people would look at him a little bit differently had he had some more of those touchdowns. I think this is a floor price for Judy. 6K on Fandle, 4,600 on DK. So I like him as a value option. The Broncos' offense has looked a lot better this year. And at, at what point would we have thought that like Jerry Judy get to be this cheap? Yeah, no, I mean, the, and he, he looks great in the tools. Uh, 9% projected ownership, 14% chance of being optimal at 4,700. Yeah, that, it looks like a great spot, and it's obviously a, a nice game. I think you can actually full-on stack that game, or you can play Judy as a one-off. So that all makes a lot of sense to me uh, going to some Judy this weekend. I think, I, I think I'm going to be with you on Jerry Judy as a play. Um, what about Jamison Williams is a little bit interesting to me just because uh, the Lions offensive coordinator came out and said – uh, that the ball is going to start coming, the, the ball is going to start gravitating to him a little bit more than it has already this season, up to 60% route participation in the most recent game. I wonder if that continues to go up and it's, you know, at least, at least promising that they are singing his praises. So I think Jamison Williams is somebody that maybe I'll consider at 3,600. I think that he's one of those cheaper guys with big upside for Detroit. Um, that's a spot I could go. Uh, I think I have a guess for who your super contrarian, super cheap player is. Uh, is it is it Jason Brownlee? Uh, I do get exposure to uh, Brownlee. Brownlee is in over 10% of my lineups. And I I, th I actually think Brownlee is the best. I, it, I know it, it didn't like necessarily work out. I think he's the best showdown option we've seen of the entire year. Where yeah. it was, was it week 12 now where there was the the Friday game? where the Jets played against the Dolphins on the, yeah, so it was, it was last Friday. Jets and Dolphins play in that weird afternoon slate. Brownlee starts at $200 in showdown against the Dolphins. In a game score where the Jets are going to have to throw the football, and he's like 2 3% owned in the flagship contest. Yeah, that was crazy. Now, relative to his price tag, you know, you catch two, two catches for 20 yards at the min price. Like, that's a, that's a pretty good result, especially when somebody's that price point. But he had, like, real opportunity, kind of. He also had a catch that was called back, which you think, like, what difference does it make? It does in some of those showdown contests when guys are, are min are the really flat min price. But, yeah, I think there's opportunity for Brownlee. The Jets are basically never leading games. If he's going to keep starting for this team, he's going to get targets. Yeah, I, I think he makes a lot of sense as a min price option. We currently have no ownership going there. I don't know. We'll, we'll see if that changes by Sunday. But if he's going to get very little ownership, I think he makes a lot of sense as a contrarian play. Um, I'll, I'll get to some Brown. I know I was getting to some of him in the lineup generator earlier today, too. So uh, the tools, he's he's popping a little bit there. Um, yeah, I think that he's a nice play. Yeah, and then we also got a super chat here from uh, from Camp Burke. Camp Burke is asking, what about Cedric Wilson? I did not get to Cedric Wilson in lineups. If there are 
cheap guys I'm getting to the like off the board. It's going to be somebody like Brownlee for me right now, but Cedric, we only have Cedric Wilson direct for three fantasy points. Yeah, it does not look great for us. What was his, uh, let me look. So last week, Cedric Wilson only ran six routes last week. So yeah, I don't think that he's a, a very strong play. And then if I go through some of the other wide receivers I get to, it's players who just correlate with my quarterbacks. Like Jock Downs, he is fairly popular, but uh, still does make it into lineups for me. And then also George Pickens, which, listen, if I'm going to be playing Kenny Pickett, I have, I have George Pickens, I have Deontay Johnson. Both of them are projected right around 10% ownership, and I get overweight to each of them. So that is a spot, too, where I'm a little bit different at wide receiver. So other than Tyree Kill, my wide receiver exposure is fairly contrarian this week. Yeah, and I... I like the the George Pickens call. I think he was, you know, they came out and said after Matt Canada was fired that George Pickens is going to start seeing the ball more. Uh, and he looks great in our tools. 10% ownership, 14% chance of being optimal. He's down to 4,800. So love that against, especially against this Cardinals defense. That makes a lot of sense. You can obviously also go to Deontay Johnson if you want to. He's 5,000. Doesn't look as good in the tools, but still 10% ownership, 10% optimal. I think uh, both of those Pittsburgh receivers make a lot of sense here. Um, yeah, I think that we are largely on the same page here. All right, so let's go ahead and look at the tight ends then to uh, finish it out. And tight end absolutely sucks this weekend. It is like I, I know we say this almost every single show, but I mean even more so this week where tight ends suck because like we don't even have Travis Kelsey to get to. Trey McBride is officially listed as questionable. I assume he plays. If not, I don't know what the hell it's going to do to my tight end exposures here. Uh, but also, if you guys haven't done it, do us a favor, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel, and. Tight ends, I mean, I get to Trey McBride just about every week at tight end where it's been a crappy position to roster. He's come with a floor this year, and he's pretty regularly produced well. I think we've seen it was like double-digit fantasy points from him in like five of the last seven games, and that's production you really struggle to find generally at tight end, especially the targets. Recent games, 9, 7, 9, 5, 14 targets for Trey McBride. They cut Zach, well, not exactly cut Zach Ertz because they didn't like him, but Zach Ertz also requested to be moved on, which it kind of shows how much like, all right, Trey McBride is our guy down the stretch of the season. So I get to a lot of Trey McBride. His price point has just never come up in a meaningful way either. So he's the best overall tight end option to me for the week. Who else do you get to a tight end, Neil? Yeah, I think that uh, those are those are some good callouts. Uh, I was getting to a ton of Chigakonkwo when I was running the lineup generator. He looks pretty good at 3,100. Um, obviously, we, we we talked about the New Orleans tight ends. Uh, Juwan Johnson at 3,400 looks really good. I actually, I'm debating whether I'm going to pay up for Taysom Hill at all. As a like, he, he's one of those players that like it's impossible to really project Taysom Hill. So that's a spot where sometimes I might get different than the tools. Uh, he, we have negative leverage on Taysom Hill, but like, would it be that shocking with uh, several of their skill players out to see Taysom Hill just play more in a lot of different weird ways, play a little bit of quarterback, play a little bit of running back? I don't know. I think that he's an interesting play at 5,200 that won't work out all that often, but occasionally we'll put up 25 fantasy points just doing a bunch of different stuff. So I think Taysom's at least mildly in play. Um, for the most part, though, I think that I'm I'm probably going to be correlating my tight ends with my quarterback, with my with my stack, or as a bring back. I think that I'm with you on that. So um, going to be pretty spread out. Maybe I'll play some kill in my uh, in those game stacks. Um, we had uh, Schultz was ruled out. So maybe Brevin Jordan is going to pop up a little bit as a play for Houston. Um, I think we're running an update uh, this afternoon. So I think we'll, we'll get a little bit more Brevin Jordan potentially for the Texans. Uh, you can obviously always go back to Sam Laporta looks fine at 
5,600. We have some positive leverage there, 5% ownership, 8% optimal. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough to really differentiate there. Of course, Pat Frymuth. After we saw Pat Frymuth, uh, and I know you you mentioned him, but after we saw him mm-hmm. go completely off uh, against this Cardinals defense, going to be uh, sort of interested there as well. Only 2% owned. So I like Fryermuth. another one. So my tight end exposure is like Trey McBride looks good. Every other tight end is just whoever correlates with my stacks and whoever else I'm getting to. So Pat Fryermuth, 2% owned at $4,300 on DraftKings. I get to him just once again, as part of the exposure that I'm getting to Kenny Pickett. I don't really get to him on FanDuel though, because FanDuel, I didn't really get to Kenny Pickett quite as much. The other tight ends I have then it's, Logan Thomas, because he's a run back in Dolphin stacks. Chigakonkwu, because he's a run back in some of the Colt stacks that I have. Durham Smythe, who just fits in with my Tua exposure. And also, Smythe is only $2,500, project for 7% ownership. This could be one of these slates where every single tight end sucks. And just like, hey, you have the cheap guy who had two catches. That's right. what ends up being you know good for the slate. So yeah, to me, it's just, I get to the guys that correlate with my quarterbacks and some of them are contrarian, some of them less so, but when I don't really love any tight end, I'll just put them in the environment that makes sense and correlates with the rest of my lineups. Yeah. And I think that makes a lot of sense, but when no, no tight end is standing out, just, you know, try to correlate in that way and and hope that it works out. All right. So Neil, let's wrap up the show with, uh, I, I have very minimal confidence in my pick this week compared to some other ones where. I've been on the money with some of my stacking options lately, but I really don't know where to go for this week because I'm so spread out at quarterback, but let's do it. If you're playing one lineup this week and you're trying to choose what stack you're going to go to the quarterback and the pass catchers in it, which way are you going to go? Yeah, this is really, I'm really struggling with this one. I think I'm going to go. I'm I'm tempted to go with one that has massive negative leverage currently. And I'm, and part of me is like, well, that's really dumb. If I do that, Um, screw it. Maybe I'll do it anyway. I'll go. I'll go with the uh, the Kenny Pickett with Fryermuth and Pickens. Okay, so for me, here's one way I think you could differentiate some of your Zach Moss lineups. Combine it with the passing game for the Colts. I know individually these players aren't contrarian, but I do think this particular build is going to be contrarian. And that is, I'm going to go Gardner Minshew, Zach Moss, Josh Downs with DeAndre Hopkins as the run back and on. So like a whole thing. I've given out wow. lots of guys. Okay. I've got a double Damn. stack and a run back in it. Can you give us the rest of the lineup, Greg? Yeah, and then uh, I'm also going to be going with, let's see, other running back, probably Christian McCaffrey will be in it, Rashad White, Tyree Kill, just all the other players I have a bunch of exposure to. So, but I I do think that that individual construction is going to be contrarian. You're getting DeAndre Hopkins, who to me is leverage off of a more popular Derrick Henry, and it's not unreasonable to think that Hopkins be the guy who ends up scoring touchdowns. And then also, I don't know how many people are going to be pairing Gardner Minshew with Zach Moss, which we also talked about last week is something where it's like, hey, you could play Gardner Minshew with Jonathan Taylor, and that's a way to reduce the ownership of a lineup that has Jonathan Taylor. Now, what ended up happening anyway was Jonathan Taylor didn't end up being super popular as we thought he was going to be, but still, he ended up scoring two touchdowns that himself a pretty big game. So that's my lineup. Gardner Minshew, Zach Moss, Josh Downs, running back with DeAndre Hopkins. Guys, thank you very much for watching. If you have not done yet, do us a favor. Like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. I hope you have a great week 13, and Neil and I will be back here next weekend.